We are continuing to work through the letters that Paul wrote to Timothy and the early church leaders. And this week we have moved to the second letter that was written to Timothy. The first letter, which we have focused on for the past few weeks, was written from Paul's head. It was structured and straightforward, and it was filled with do's and don'ts for those who were leading the church in this time. Paul was writing this letter because he was trying to guide Timothy on how to stand up to the false teachers that were in the area. And these teachers were making things difficult for Timothy, who was a young pastor. And so Paul was doing his very best to guide Timothy from a distance by giving direct guidelines to his student. And I'm sure that Timothy tried to implement the things that his mentor was telling him. From what we can tell and from the ways that Paul talks about him, Timothy was a good student. He was Paul's most promising pupil. But Timothy and the other church leaders at this time are facing some big challenges. The false teachers were showcasing a glitzier gospel that was more attractive to followers than the traditional and authentic gospel that Timothy was teaching. And so Timothy and the church leaders begin to feel discouraged. Even with Paul's guidance and Timothy's faithful leadership, members of their churches were being led astray by these false teachers. And so Paul sends a second letter, but this time, He writes from his heart. He knows that Timothy is struggling. He knows that the young pastor is probably questioning whether or not he is up to the task of leading the church and its people. Paul is most likely under house arrest in Rome at this time, and it is likely that he is facing execution, so he can't just pack up his things and make another journey to be with Timothy. So instead, he writes a heartfelt letter that reads much like a farewell discourse from a teacher to a student. Paul knows that he has limited time to support Timothy, not just because Paul's time could end at any moment, but because Timothy's confidence is shrinking. And at any moment, Timothy could choose to walk away from this calling. And there's no time to lose. Paul wants to make sure Timothy has everything that he needs to lead the church once Paul is no longer alive. Paul starts off with words of affection and nurturing. He calls Timothy his beloved child and he expresses his gratitude for him. Paul indicates that he knows how hard this time is for Timothy. He mentions the tears that Timothy shed the last time that they were together and then had to part ways. Paul knows that Timothy is anxious And so in this first chapter, he is trying to give tangible reminders that Timothy can return to again and again when this calling gets tough. They are meant to be things that Timothy and the church leaders can hold on to when they need something to be reminded of what it means to have a bold and confident faith. And so even when he is imprisoned in Rome, Paul is doing his best to support those who are leading the church. His first piece of advice comes when he talks about Timothy's faith. It is a sincere faith, but we could also translate the word sincere as genuine or authentic. Paul then connects Timothy's faith with the faith of his grandmother and his mother. 
Now, Paul isn't trying to intimidate Timothy by bringing up these women. I'm sure some of us may have Sunday school teachers that when we hear their names said, we might shudder a little because of the ways that they taught us when we were young or even as adults. Paul is not shaking his finger and saying, now, Timothy, what would Eunice and Lois say about this if they saw how you were doubting your faith? Instead, Paul brings up these names to remind Timothy that his faith has deep, strong roots. The gospel that Timothy is proclaiming has stood the test of time. It is trusted, it is true, it is genuine and authentic. Paul trusts and believes that this authentic faith and this genuine gospel will stand strong against the religious impulses of that day and in future days. And so given that today is All Saints Day, the fact that Paul is reminding Timothy of the saints in his own faith seems poignant. I don't know if Jim chose this passage specifically for this day when he was planning this sermon series or not. I do know that I did choose to preach on this day knowing that it was All Saints Day and we would be talking about saints in Timothy's life. Jim and Connie, by the way, are with family this weekend and just wanted me to pass that along. They are just fine. But as we stop and we think about All Saints Day for a moment, because it is an important day. Back in the fourth century, the Roman Catholic Church started setting aside a day to honor and remember the Christian martyrs who died because of their faith. And during the Protestant Reformation, as Protestants were trying to figure out what were the things that they would leave behind and carry forward, they recognized that this tradition of remembering the saints was important and it was, in, it was significant. And so instead of abandoning this idea of All Saints Day, they chose to expand it. And it included anyone who believed in Jesus Christ and was a follower of the faith. At its very core, All Saints Day is an opportunity for us to pause and to acknowledge those in our lives who have come before us and who have gone ahead of us to join the great cloud of witnesses, to borrow another phrase from Paul. It is a reminder that we don't walk alone in our faith, but instead we are part of a long line of ancestors. For those of us who have lost someone we love, it is a reminder that even though that person is no longer physically with us, their spirit lives on in us as we take the things that we learned from them and we continue to use it in our own lives in ways that would make them proud. And by reminding Timothy of his ancestors and of their faith, Paul is reminding Timothy that he too is a great part of a great line of faithful people who are all walking alongside him now in his time to lead. The second piece of advice that Paul gives Timothy is for Timothy to not just remember this authentic faith that he received from his ancestors, but to revive it, to rekindle it, to fan it into flame. Paul speaks of Timothy's ordination, and Paul is encouraging Timothy to relight the gifts that were seen in him and to begin putting them into practice again. These gifts were not a gift of a cowardly or timid spirit, but instead were gifts of, a, of courage and of love and of boldness. Paul is reminding Timothy that Timothy already has everything he needs to lead. He just needs to rekindle the gifts given to him by God so that he can continue to go about the good work God has called him to. 
These same gifts have been given to us, the gifts of an authentic faith, of a bold and courageous spirit. Now, we might not always feel like these gifts are working. I'm sure some of you who have been here for a while can look around and think of faces that used to sit in the pews or they have moved on or maybe slipped out of the door unnoticed. It is easy to feel discouraged and to lose sight of God's gifts and God's work in the world. Denominations are getting stuck in arguments about who can preach or who can take communion, about who can get married or who can be ordained. It is easy for us to look at what is happening in the world and wonder if investing our time and our energy into this thing called church and this person called Jesus is worth it. I get it. I've been there. But if we were to ask Paul what to do in the face of these struggles and disagreements, Paul would remind us that his own transformation from doubt and darkness and brokenness to belief and wholeness came from an encounter with God and God's people and not because of an argument that convinced him to change his ways. He was transformed because of an encounter, not because of an argument. It was this encounter with those who believed in Jesus that lit the spark in Paul's own spirit and led him into this vocation where he could continue to share an authentic gospel throughout his ministry. I was ordained as a pastor on Sunday, January 18th, 2015 by the good people of Tabernacle Baptist Church in Richmond, Virginia. This was the church that I served throughout seminary, starting as a nursery worker and then moving up the totem pole, as it were, to be an intern and eventually a pastoral resident once I graduated from BTSR. It is the tradition at Tabernacle Baptist that on the day that someone is ordained, whether as a pastor or a deacon, or the day that a child is brought for dedication or a person is baptized, that there is a certificate that marks that day. But instead of it just being a piece of paper with someone's name on it and some words, they take time to pass this piece of paper around the congregation on the day of ordination or baptism or dedication. And everyone present in the room adds their name to this piece of paper, acknowledging that they were there on this day. This certificate hangs in my office and I look at it regularly. The names that fill this piece of paper are the people that I consider saints in my life. I also have a red file folder that is in one of my filing cabinets, and in it are cards and letters from various people over the course of my 13 years spent in ministry. There are letters that were written to me from people who couldn't attend my ordination, but who wanted to offer words of blessing. There are cards from children with scribbles on them and rough letters that are thanking me for teaching them about Jesus. There are notes from family members who have been written after I officiated funerals of someone they loved. Words of encouragement and affirmation fill this folder. And I call this folder my this is why folder because it is the folder that I take out when I need to be reminded of why I said yes to this calling. I read these notes when I need to be reminded that what I am doing matters. The words help rekindle the fire in my own spirit when I wonder if I'm actually cut out for this whole pastor thing, because y'all, it's a lot. 
Even pastors question whether or not this thing called church is worth it, because we are human after all. But when I read these names on the ordination certificate, or I look at a picture from a child, or the beautiful cursive of a widow, and I read the words from my youth minister written for me on my ordination day, like Timothy, I am reminded that this faith that has been passed on from generation to generation, it does indeed matter. I am encouraged that there are people in my life who have walked beside me on my faith journey, and now I get to do the same for others. I am reminded that 2,000 years ago, Paul is reminding Timothy that a bold, confident, and most importantly, authentic gospel matters in this world. And I celebrate that God is still putting saints in our lives and giving us gifts that can be used to further God's kingdom here on earth. So let's take a poll. There's some audience participation today. How many of you can think of a person from your life who has impacted your faith in a direct way or someone who has told you what it means to live your life as a Christian? Show of hands. How many of you have one of these people? Okay. I'm sure maybe you're thinking of multiple people at this moment, but for right now, I want you to think of a single name, just a first name, if you can think of one, one person who has been important on your faith journey. Do you have the name in your head? Raise your hand once you have it. Okay, on the count of three, all at the same time, I want us to say the name of that person out loud. Everyone is gonna be talking, you won't be singled out. I want you to name the saint that is in your mind. One, two, three. Dan, thanks be to God for these saints. Thanks be to God for the people who have helped shape our faith. It is because of them that we know that God is still moving and working in the world. Because of them, we know that God's gifts of love, boldness, and courage can live on for generations to come. On this All Saints Day, May we rekindle the flame in our own spirits to go out into the world and to share an authentic, sincere gospel with those we meet. And may we be confident as we go, knowing that the saints are walking alongside us on the journey. <laughs>